Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may be of good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. For within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over, the arm, and pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandments and disobeys your words, whatever you command him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. You may be seated. <clears throat> Today, we are beginning a brand new series in the book of Joshua. And uh, I want to highly, highly encourage you, have a Bible with you. Maybe it's a hard copy. Uh, if you need a hard copy, you let us know. We'll make sure that you get one. We'll help you get one. If uh, <clears throat> some, most, a lot of people today, they use their electronic version. I think that's awesome. Uh, you use something. Uh, I want to encourage you in something. Now, when people, my kids figured out when I said encourage you to do something, that usually meant, hey, I really want you to do this, all right? I really want to encourage you. Grab a pen, a piece of paper, a notebook as we go through Joshua, as we talk about what it is that we're going to be doing. You may go, okay, there's a, that the blue card right there in front of you. There, on the back of it, is, it, it's blank. You could take some notes. Maybe you thumb in some notes. This is really, I think this is going to be an, an opportunity for us over the next several weeks as we walk through the book of Joshua to begin to understand 
what it is that God is calling for us to do today. What does it look like for us to have strength and courage in the day in which he has called us? Uh, You know, in this book, the book of Joshua, there's a lot of war. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of taking and possessing land. Here pretty soon, we're going to get to uh, the the Battle of Jericho. You remember the Battle of Jericho. Even even if you didn't grow up in church, you've heard about uh, the walls falling down around that city, maybe. And we're going to get there, and we're going to begin to see what did that look like. I am a history guy. I do enjoy history. uh, the, the details, like all the dates I struggle with, but the, the overarching stories of history are really, really fascinating to me. And one of the things that I want us to catch as we kind of start this series out is that we typically read the Bible Sunday to Sunday or day to day, however you do that, I hope day to day. But for many people, it's Sunday to Sunday. And I want, my hope is, is that during this series, you join with us in our Bible reading plan so that you're reading it more and more for yourself. But what ends up happening oftentimes is that we read chapters and verses. And we just kind of go from this passage to this passage to this passage without recognizing that there is an overarching story. This is a story that God has given to us for us to be able to understand what it is that he has done, what it is that he is doing, what it is that he did with the nation of Israel, his people, and what are the things that he desires for us today. In my reading of history, uh, one, of the, one of the periods of American history that I really love is the very beginning portion of, of, the, of American history, the revolution time. And uh, most of you, uh, if you have been through high school uh, here, you may have studied the American Revolution. You know all kinds of different studies. You know all kinds of different uh, stories about the American Revolution. You, you obviously, you probably read about or you heard about, you watched a a YouTube video today maybe on um, George Washington having his ragtag group of soldiers who were like only months away from being farmers who were ill-equipped and ill-trained, they go across the Delaware to ambush the British and win, and win a skirmish. That's, I mean, that's, that's the one where he's standing up in the boat, that famous painting. You, you obviously have heard about, I know, Paul Revere and his midnight ride, the British are coming, the British are coming. There, uh, uh, American history is full, full of stories of courage and strength and, uh, and, and being strong, being strong. One that you may not have read or may not have heard about happened in November of 1776. It was at Fort Washington. For those of you who are real good history buffs, you know that Fort Washington is on the, on what is now considered Manhattan in New York. Uh, In this battle for Fort Washington, you had uh, around 400 men and some support who were battling against 4,000 British soldiers. You had a man named John Corbin, who was a cannoneer, I believe is what it would be called. He handled the cannon when you actually had to light fuses, powder it up and put cannonballs in it. And his job was to make sure the cannon fired and he was in the middle of battle. Well, his wife, Margaret Corbin, in that day, you 
wives could travel with the, uh, with the army if they had the ability to prove and show that they could be a part of the support in some way. She was trained as a medical nurse. And so she was able to travel with his regimen. And while he was there battling, she cared for the sick, the wounded, the injured, and those types of things. And so in this battle for Fort Washington, November 1776, uh, as he is firing the cannon, firing the cannon, reloading, firing the cannon, reloading, firing the cannon, he is eventually hit and he is mortally wounded and he dies there on spot. His wife, Margaret, actually sees her husband killed and, uh, and dies. Uh, or, or as he dies. She, after watching and knowing what it is he, he did, rather than run, she herself took his spot on the line. And she began to load the cannon, load the cannonball, set the fuses, and she began to fire and fire and fire until she herself was injured. She was taken as a prisoner of war, uh, and later released because she was a woman. Uh, her, uh, because of her and the story, many, many men and women began to join the battle because of her courageous act. 150 years later, afterwards, she was given full military burial, full military honors. She uh, was the very first woman in the U.S. military to receive a combat pension because the regiment with her said, uh, listen, she stood up and they went to battle for her and she received a pension. That right there is stories of courage. Those things right there give me encouragement. They, they call me to something. We're going to see some of those exact same things as we begin to read and look at the stories in the book of Joshua. But you've got to understand it, these aren't just individual stories. This is one long story to help us to understand what it is that God has been doing and that God always keeps his promises. This book of Joshua isn't standalone war stories that we go, yeah. You know what this, stand, what this book is all about? Numbers 23 says, Joshua says, this is all about how God is faithful to the promises that he makes to his people. You see, in Genesis chapter 12, and I want you to take some of these things down, all right? Genesis chapter 12, uh, God calls Abraham and he says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a mighty nation. Uh, from you, the world's going to be blessed. He says, you're going to have more children. They're going to outnumber the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. Uh, Abraham is gone. He's, God says, you go. He says, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a promised land for your descendants. Abraham leaves and he goes. And somewhere around 230, 240 years later, you have his grandchild, his great-grandchild. You have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob becomes Israel. And you, I don't know if you remember, Jacob had 12 sons. And those 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. And one of those sons was his favorite. His name was Joseph. 
You remember Joseph having a coat of many colors his dad had given him, and his brothers did not like him because he always was a dreamer. He would see these dreams, and they would always be interpreted as Joseph being the leader, him being the premier, him being the guardian of the family. His brothers got so angry. They were, they were out tending the sheep. His brothers got so angry that when his dad sent him to go take food to them, they saw him coming. You know how they recognized him? That coat of many colors. And they said, that, that Joseph, when he gets here, we're going to kill him. And one of his brothers, Reuben, said, no, 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 don't kill him. There's a pit. Let's throw him in the pit. They threw him in the pit. Reuben had to go do something. While Reuben was gone, a, a, a band of traders, they were called Ishmaelites, came along. And the, the other's brother said, hey, why don't we draw him out and we will then sell him. And they sold him to the Ishmaelites and the Ishmaelites sent him into Egypt. And through a long story that I'm not going to go through, Genesis 25 through 50, you need to go read the story. Joseph ends up becoming uh, second in command in, in Egypt. Well, during the time that he was in second command in Egypt, there was a huge famine in Israel. Jacob Israel was still alive, and he sent his sons. He said, hey, listen, there's food down in Egypt. You need to go. Jacob, uh, uh, Joseph is second in command over all the food. Joseph recognizes his brothers as his brothers are coming. Through a series of events that you're going to read about this week in 25 through 50, I hope you're going to read this. And what ends up happening is this. Uh, he reveals himself to him and says, listen, you go back home, you get dad. You get everything you own and you come back here and I'm going to take care of you in the land of Goshen. They set him up in the land of Goshen in Egypt. Uh, they multiply, they grow. Uh, they, I mean, they, they begin to outnumber. There's so many that the former Pharaoh dies and it says that uh, throughout the years, a new leader came, a new king, a new Pharaoh, and he did not know Joseph. And he enslaved all the Israelites. For 430 years, they were enslaved. They were enslaved. Yet all along the while, there is a man named Moses. You can watch Prince of Egypt later, catch up on that. Better yet, why don't you read the scripture? It's true, all right? Moses is on the backside of a desert in Midian, and he says, Moses, I want you to go and free my people. I want you to go. I want you to free the, all, your, your kinfolk, your people in, who are in Egypt. I want you to go get them. Moses goes back. And as he goes back, you remember the story of him going to Pharaoh? And as he was with Pharaoh, there were 10 plagues. The last plague was so bad that Pharaoh, in the middle of the night, it was the, it was the death of the firstborn of all the land. The only place it didn't hit was Goshen. God's people. He's, Pharaoh gets up and says, you get them out of here. Go. Moses takes off with all the people. Some estimate there was over a million people. They end up, they get to the Red Sea. The Red Sea parts. The nation of Israel goes through. As the nation of Israel goes through, gets to the other side, Pharaoh's army comes by and it covers them over and they all drown. They're on the other side. They've seen plagues. They've seen, and none of them have happened to us. They've seen uh, a, a release from slavery. They've seen Pharaoh's army drowned we, while we went through the waters. They end up receiving, uh, they, they get the, the Ten Commandments. God's law is given to them. They see uh, 
Numbers, I believe it's Numbers 13. Let me make sure about this because I want to make sure that you write this down and that you're able to go sit. Numbers 13. In Numbers chapter 13, God calls, God calls uh, uh, to Moses and says, Moses, I want, you to, I want you to get 12 of the best men and they're going to go and they're going to spy out the new land that I'm going to give you. As they go to spy that land out, they see uh, incredible fruit, incredible vegetables, trees, vineyards, beautiful lush land. They come back and 10 of them say this, yes, it all looks good, but there's giants in the land will be crushed. There's no way we can ever do this. But there were two, Joshua and Caleb, who said, oh, oh, we can. We can go. We can take the land because God is with us. He is the one that will give us the land. They wonder, well, the people rebel. They follow the 10 who didn't want to go. And for 40 years, they wander in the desert. Wander in the wilderness. And God said to Moses, some of you are going, why are you telling me all this? Because this is the setup. You've got to have this. I'm not going to do it each week, but you've got to see. God is working a story. And I need you to know, he's not done with it because you're a part of it. He's still working it today. He tells Moses, he says, Moses, until that entire generation is gone, except for Joshua and Caleb, they will never see the promised land. So they wander for 40 years. Moses, Exodus 34 says, there's never been a prophet like him in all of Israel. Moses, as he's leading them, Moses disobeys God. God's chosen leader. The scripture says there's never been one like him. Never has been, never will be. He disobeyed God. God told him to speak to the rock so that water would come out for the nation. And you know what Moses did? He got angry and he struck the rock in his anger. And even in Moses' disobedience, God was still merciful and gave water to the land, gave water to the people. Isn't that great to hear? God is a merciful God, a gracious God. But he looked at Moses and said, Moses, you will not get to go into the promised land. But in Exodus 34, Exodus 34, while they're on the east side of the Jordan River, looking over into the promised land, God said, I want you to go up to the top of this mountain, Mount Nebo, and I'm going to let you see it. In a passage that still is very emotional to me, Moses, the servant of God, goes to the top and he looks over and he sees the land. He sees the inheritance. He sees what it is that God has said, you're, you're going to help fulfill the promise. But he doesn't get to go in. But in his graciousness, he let him see it. And the scripture says his eyes closed and God buried him. God himself, God himself buried Moses. Isn't that just a beautiful picture? So where does that find us today? Well, that finds us in Joshua chapter one. And that he is still writing a story today and where he's calling us to be strong and courageous. And we're gonna see in chapter one, Chapter one, we're going to see four requirements for what it takes to take the land. There are four requirements for taking the land. So if you're writing down, here's the first one. Number one, for us to take the land, it's going to require leaders. It requires leaders. Number two, for us to take the land, it's going to take strength and courage. 
strength and courage. And number three, it's going to take obedience. To take the land, it's going to take obedience. And the last thing, number four, is this, is that for us to take the land, it's going to take us being united. We have to have unity. We have to have unity. Let's look at the first one. Uh, Joshua, in, in Joshua chapter one, we're going to see that taking the land requires leaders. Uh, in Numbers 13, where, it, where, it, where the 12 spies are sent out, we learn about a man named Hosea. Hosea is the name that uh, Joshua had. That is his name in Hebrew. His name in Hebrew, Hosea, means salvation or deliverance. Salvation or deliverance. Before Joshua, or excuse me, before Moses sent him out, he changed Hosea's name to Yeshua. Like two verses later, three verses later, Moses changes Hosea's name to Yeshua. And Yeshua means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. The Lord is salvation. Moses changed his name from a general salvation to a specific because he wanted Joshua to know the Lord will provide. The Lord, he is our salvation. Numbers 13 and 14 tell us about the, the spies and them going into the land. And, uh, and, and, and only Joshua and Caleb saying, listen, we can do this. Even if we're outvoted, even if nobody's with us, we're going to stand strong. We're going to stand courageous and we can do this. Not by our power, not by our strength, but by the power of the Lord. Notice what the book of Joshua opens up with. Joshua 1.1 says this. I want you to look at it. Joshua 1.1 says, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Joshua opens the book as, his, as the assistant of Moses. Some of you around here today in this very room, the Lord has called you to lead and what you're doing is you're in your mind, you're thinking, I'm just an assistant and you're looking for someone else to lead. Anybody else? Is there anybody else? I'll assist. The Lord has called you to lead because he's put you in the place that he's ordained for you to be today. Whether that's in your home, your work, your school, your extracurricular, whatever it is, he has placed you there and he has called you to be the leader in that place. You may say, listen, I don't have the power and the authority to, be, to give the leadership. Listen, uh, you do as a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking like you're going to have a coup at work and you're now going to be the supervisor. I'm talking about you leading out in your faith, you being the one to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, what it is that he has done, not by your power, not because you're the best worker, not because you're the smartest student, not because you have all the accolades, but because your life has been changed. You have seen what he's done in your life to this point, and you're remembering God, you've done this, you've done this, you've done this. Even though I did all of this, you were faithful and true. God, I will stand in the moment that you have me today. This is where Moses is. Look at verse two. Verse two says this, and I'm gonna go faster, I promise. I'm, I've taken a little bit of time to get here, but it's too good. I can't, I got the, Moses, this is what it says. Verse two, God says, Moses, my servant is dead. 
Exodus 34, Moses actually died, and they said, you're going to spend 30 days mourning this guy. You're going to spend 30 days. They didn't do anything. They just mourned. We mourned, remembered. Turn the page. Some of you, it's time to turn the page. You've been waiting for someone else to lead. It's time to turn the page. He says, Moses, my servant, has died. Joshua, now rise, cross the Jordan, and take the land. Folks, that's what he's calling us to today. That's what he's calling us to. He's calling you to take new land for him, wherever it is that you're where you are. I'm not talking about going and staking a flag, a literal flag. I am talking about, though, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are his ambassador. And as his ambassador, he sends you into new land. Folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I've lived and traveled in other countries, and there's always an embassy, and there's always an ambassador. And their job is to speak on behalf of the government that sent them. I need you to hear me. You speak on behalf of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He has sent you. He has called you to lead. He has ordained that you lead, not in your power, not in your might, but in the power and the strength of the Lord. Today, the church is under attack. Christians are under attack from all different directions, all, whether it's philosophy, psychology, sociologies, the way we view, the way people view sexuality, uh, where they look at us as followers of Jesus and think, you're backwards. You believe an ancient book? You believe there's only one way to go to heaven? You believe, you, uh, does that really, are you serious? And you stand up and say, yes, yes, because I don't get to speak on my own behalf. I speak only what the Lord God has said from his word as his ambassador. And here's what I want you to know. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus is speaking to Peter, speaking to all his disciples, to be honest with you, but he's speaking to all of, and, and he says this, Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus will build his church. There's no one that built this church, building or people, except Jesus. He said he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Folks, that ought to be encouragement to us to stand strong where we are, that we can speak, that we can walk, that because we ha- we're representing the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's called us to be faithful. He's called us to to walk. He's called us to lead. And you know, listen, I I could get real low-hanging fruit here and just go, I need some leaders. I need you in student ministry. I need you to lead in preschool ministry. I need you to lead. And we do. I got the children in preschool person right here. We need some more leaders, volunteers, servants of God in the areas of kids and preschool. But you know where I need you to lead more? I need you to lead in your home. Men, I just want to speak to you for just a second. I just want to speak to you for just a second, men. Too many of you are dependent on Margaret Corbin to fire the cannons, and you're alive in your home, but you're acting dead. Men, I need you to step up and get on the cannon call your family and say, hey, let's read the word together. 
Let's just read the word together. Some of you, that's, that's, you're, you're nervous about that because you're going to go, what if they ask me something I don't know? Welcome to the club. You do this to me every week after the service. <laughs> and I come back to you and say, hey, here's kind of what I see. Here's what I'm thinking. Men, it, 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 men in here, I want you to, you, what if I look silly? You know what? You're not going to look silly to your wife and your kids. You know what you're going to look like? A strong man. Your wife is going to go, thank you. Uh, wives in here, if, you, if your husband won't do it, then you get with your family, with your kids. And can, can we read scripture together? Dad, I want you to come with us. Read scripture. If you're single in here, read scripture with friends. Get together. Do not forsake the word. It is where our power is. He's called us to lead. He's called us to lead our homes, our workplace, our schools, our soccer clubs. Any extra, he's called you to lead for his glory. The second thing is this, is that if we're going to take the land, it's going to take strength and courage. Uh, The word leading is not a passive word. You realize that, don't you? To be passive means you sit back, arms crossed, you're letting someone else. To lead means you're, at, you're in it. It's active. It's moving. You are involved. And you know what that's going to take? Strength and courage. I want to define courage for you real quickly. If you're writing down, I want you to write this down, all right? Here's what courage is. Courage is the ability. Courage is the ability. Courage is the ability to persevere in the face of danger, to persevere in the face of danger or fear or difficulty. Let me read it all again. Courage is the ability to persevere in the face of danger, fear, or difficulty. Folks, impacting your friends, your family, taking land is going to take courageous and strong leadership. Now, I need you to hear me. That doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean you're uh, like John Rambo. You are uh, William Wallace. Uh, ladies, I'm She-Ra. I don't know. Who's, the, who's the, the lady one? I don't know. I don't watch those. I'm sorry. I, just, I need, it's going to take strength and courage. And I, I want to make sure you understand something here. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the ability to go, okay, I realize this is not going to be pretty, but I got to walk through it. I'm going I'm to walk through it. Courage are the three Israelite captives in the Old Testament who, when they were told, you will bow the knee or you'll be thrown into the furnace. And they looked and just said, our God can save us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. That's courage. That's courage. Courage is what we need today. We don't need churches that are running. And, and when I say churches, I don't mean individuals. Man, we, we're the church. 
we need to stand. Listen, folks, it, it, it takes courage to proclaim the gospel because somebody may look at you and go, I don't believe you. They may look at you and go, I don't want to be your friend anymore. You're a bigot. You believe that? It takes courage to proclaim the gospel. It, it, it takes courage to get up every day and immerse yourself in the word of God. It takes courage. It also takes strength because that, it, it may cost you 30 minutes of sleep or 30 minutes of Netflix the night before so that you can get up and get into his word. It takes courage to do that. Do you realize it takes courage to commit to a life group or a group of people who are going to know you because they're going to know that I don't have it all together. I don't know all the answers. What if they realize how little I, it takes courage. It takes strength to gather with the body when everything in our world happens on the weekend. Work, sports, golf, hunting, you name it. Yet it takes courage and strength not to bail. Parents, it takes courage and strength to tell your child you're not going to get social media. It takes courage and strength to say there's not going to be a computer in your room. Every student in here just turned me off. <laughs> but folks, I'm just telling you, it takes courage. We need parents to stand and be strong and be courageous with their families. It takes courage, single, to not give in, to wait on God's best. It takes strength and courage to stand against the social, cultural, sexual ethic of today. But I want you to also hear me. It takes courage and strength to do that with grace and love. It's easy to spew all kinds of venom. But to stand and say, this is what the scripture says. I love you. I want to walk with you. And, and I want to I be real careful here. I said a minute ago, you know, our, 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 our cu culture, we love to find the one and go, that's, man, we celebrate the one. We celebrate the one. You understand what I mean? Michael Jordan. Nobody talks about the other four that were with him. LeBron on his team. Well, it took other teams to come alongside him. Tiger Woods. He gets the glory, but there were all kinds of other people with him. Generals, uh, majors, sergeants, they don't win battles. MacArthur, he doesn't do all of this on his own. It takes a whole team of folks. It calls us to have leaders who are courageous. But I want you to know, it's not a pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Look at verse five. Look at verse five. Verse five, verse five, God told Joseph, excuse me, Joshua, to be strong and courageous. Why? Because I am with you. Because I am with you. Not because you have watched Moses do all these things, not because you went across the dry land, but because I was with Moses, I will be with you. 
When you walked across the dry land, I was there. Listen, Moses, Joshua was Moses' general that went out to fight the Amalekites. And this, have you, you remember the story when Joshua would go out to fight the Amalekites uh, for this one particular battle? As long as Moses, Moses went up on a mountaintop, and as long as he held his hands up, as long as he held his hands up, Joshua was winning. But when he got tired and his arms came down, the Amalekites began to overtake so Aaron and her come up and they hold Moses' arms up. As long as Moses was up, had his arms up, they held his arms up. Joshua, you saw that. You didn't win that battle. Moses didn't win that battle. Aaron and her didn't win that battle. I won that battle. But he had to lead and be courageous and strong to go into it. This is what the Lord God is calling us to. You see, the promise that he made to Moses, that I'll be with you, the promise that he made to Joshua, I will be with you. Did you realize he makes that exact same promise to you also? Listen, I want you to catch this. Please don't let this run by you. He promised Moses and Joshua, and he promises me. He promises you. Look at Hebrews. Turn over to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews is in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 13, verses five and six The writer of Hebrews says this, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have for he has said, where has he said it? In Joshua 1, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? Can they, they can take my job, but the Lord is my provider. They can make fun of me. They spat on Jesus. They can kill me. He is my life. It's not because of me. It's because of Christ in us that we can stand. You you realize God said, listen, I was with Moses, I was with Joshua, I'll be with you. And do you realize where the Holy Spirit resides? Within you. So everywhere that you set your feet, that he's called you to stand and lead and be courageous, the Holy Spirit is alive in you. And he gives us strength. He gives us strength. The third thing is that it's going to require obedience. It's going to require obedience. Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Let's read together. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful. Listen, be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Look, check this out. Do not turn from the right or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Check, uh, you gotta, I want you to underline this, circle it, highlight it, whatever it is. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Folks, uh, 
I, I, you know, I, I, I just go ahead and tell you, I am a one beat drum. Boom, 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 boom. You know what you're going to hear out of me? Nonstop. As long as you know me, the word, the word, the word, the word. You realize your obedience is not to me. God's given me, he's called me here. He's put me here. There is a spiritual authority that he has placed. But you know when that spiritual authority ceases? When I no longer follow and preach the word. Do you realize in your life, who you are ultimately obedient to, the word of God himself. How do you know him? Because you spend time with him in his word, knowing what it is that he has to say. The scripture says you meditate on it day and night. Deuteronomy 6, the book right before Joshua, he says, when you get up, you think on it. You talk about it. When you walk with your kids, when you lie down at night, when you sit at the table, the word, the word, the word. And folks, I, the greatest discipling tool that we have, the greatest discipling tool is gathering with the body and reading the word. I, I'm not going to make it hard. I'm afraid sometimes we do make it really hard. The word if we want to impact our world, our family, if we want to impact, if we want our world changed, then we have to be changed by the word. How do we get changed by the word? By getting into the word. This is it. This is our only power. This is our only authority, the word of God. I wish, I wish, you know, I, you guys, many of you, you would pay all kinds of money if I'd give you 10 keys five stars to success. You're laughing, but you buy those books. And the Lord has told us right here what makes us prosperous and successful. And I'm not talking Osteen's prosperous. I'm talking what makes us prosperous is his word alone. Psalm 1, this is very familiar with Psalm 1. So I'm going to read his word to us. Psalm 1, if you've got it, I want you to look at it. Psalm 1 says this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. That's everywhere today, isn't it? Who not, does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree that has been planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked, they're not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment or sinners in the congregation of the righteous, nor the Lord, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Folks, I, I, I'd like everybody just to see me for just a second. As, as uh, just, I don't know how to say it other than there's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. It all goes through the word. Our life as an individual in a church all goes through the word. And when we obey it, obedience, 
leaders who are strong and courageous, who obey the word. That's how we take land, new areas for Christ. That's how we maintain the land that the Lord has given us in our homes is by the word of God. That's why we call you to read the plan, the reading plan with us. We want you reading in the word, talking about it with people. I, I hope, I hope that you're trying to memorize the Sermon on the Mount with us. Little, little true confessions here. I, I think this week we're probably somewhere around verses 14, 15, and 16. Maybe it's Austin, where are we this week? 14, okay. Uh, Austin will know because he hears me every week. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling and stuck at 11 and 12. But bro, I'm gonna be in the fight. I'm asking you to come join us in the fight. The fight is with the word. It's gonna be what causes us to take the land. And the last thing is this, quickly, is that the land, if we're going to take land, it's going to require us to be united. It's going to require us to be united. I don't have time to read that whole passage, but the ending of the passage, the ending of the passage, it, it talks about the tribe of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe half of Manasseh. Uh, Moses, when he's up on Mount Nebo, or before he goes up on Mount Nebo to look over and see the promised land, these tribes come to Moses and say, hey, as cattlemen, as shepherds, the, the land is incredible. Lots of grazing, lots of, lots of water. Can we stay here? Is it all right? Let us have our portion right here. This story is in Numbers 32. You'll want to go back and see it. And Moses breaks red on them. He got a little hot. He said, you want to do what? Hold on. No, no. You want to move? So for those of you who don't know what break red means, I mean, he got angry. He got hot. He says, no, 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 no. We're all going. And they said, no, no, listen, listen, listen. Because Moses is thinking back to Kadesh Barnea, where all of the spies, they were supposed to go in the land and they revolted. And Joshua and Caleb are standing there. And they said, no, 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 listen, we, uh, we made a promise. We made a promise that if we have this land, we'll send our men of valor over ahead with you. And we will fight until all of our brothers, all of our brothers have their land. And then we'll come back. And Joshua is reminding them of the promise. And guys, ladies, students, I need to remind you of some promises. Some of you in here, you call out that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. I need you to know, he promised that he would never leave you or forsake you. Where have you been? Are you following with him? Because you promised him. You promised him. You're going to give him everything. You're, you're trusting your eternity to him, right? You're trusting your eternity to well, how about what you see? And you can't even see your eternity. How about trusting him with what's here? It's yours. It's yours. And Joshua reminds them. He says, listen, you made a promise. You're going with us. And they said, oh, we'll go. We'll go. 
This is what we see here. For us as followers of Christ, as a church, for us to take land, new land, to hold what it is that God's given us, it's going to take us being united together. United. You see, these brothers went and fought for their brothers. We need brothers and sisters in here fighting for brothers and sisters. Less fighting with brothers and sisters, fighting for brothers and sisters. Standing arm in arm, doing battle for us, doing battle in the word, doing battle on the phone. Hey, where are you? You okay? Doing battle in prayer. Now, you, you realize what our unity is, don't you? Let me make sure you, you catch this. The re, as followers of Jesus Christ, what unites us is the Holy Spirit. He is the one that unites us. That's why in this room right now, there is black, there's white, there's Asian, there's Hispanic, there's tall, there's short, there's round and square, there's some with hair, some without hair. There's the diversity is not just what makes us strong. I mean, I think it's great. I love it. I want us to be more diverse. But what unites us is the Holy Spirit who is alive in us as brothers and sisters. Ephesians 4.3 says this. Ephesians 4.3 says that we should be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's a little freedom in that. You realize that, don't you? That because the Holy Spirit is what binds us together because he is what binds us together. He's our unity. That means we don't have to come in every week like having butterflies when we see each other. I hope we do. I want us to, listen, we make every effort to live at peace. At peace is how we maintain our unity. We don't all have to like the same things. We don't all have to go to the same places and eat the same foods dress the same way. That's not unity. That's called uniformity. Cult. <laughs> unity is when we say, listen, you're my brother. You're my sister. In the name of Jesus, he's he lives in both of us, the Holy Spirit. We're going to come together and we're going to fight for each other's holiness. How are we going to do that? We're going to lead one another. We're going to stand strong and be courageous. We're going to be obedient to the word. That's going to be our unity. And we have to remember, we don't do that. It's the Holy Spirit in us and Jesus who goes before us. You know what the, uh, remember I was talking a few minutes ago about uh, Hosea being changed to Yahshua, Yeshua. You, you know what the Greek version of Yeshua is. Jesus. Yahweh saves. You know what our strength is? Jesus. It's not pumping iron. It's not pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's not trying to muster up. It's not putting in your favorite workout music to pump you up to run through the wall. Your strength as a follower of Jesus is Jesus. The gospel. 
The gospel is the greater Joshua, Jesus. You want to talk about strength? He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Yet he still led. It took strength and courage when crucify him, crucify him. When he laid his life down willingly on a cross for you and for me. When he was obedient to everything that the Lord called him to. Knowing that it was going to cost him everything. And yet he calls us because he died for us. He calls us to live for him. And I need you to know, we can do that in the power of Jesus. And today I'm calling some of you in here who've never trusted Jesus, come to him today. In just a moment, I'm going to stand right here. Zion and the team are going to come and they're going to lead us. And I'm going to, I'm going to be here for a few minutes. And if you want someone to pray with you, I want to pray with you. If you want someone to talk to you about Jesus, I want to talk to you about Jesus. You say, I, I don't want to come all the way down there. I'll be at the back afterwards. I'd love to talk to you. But I need you to know, people in this room are for you. They're not against you. And so if you come, they're going to be praying for you. No, not even knowing what it is, they're just going to pray. Follower of Jesus in here, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Lead where he's put you. Father, I love you and I honor you. I ask you right now, would you have your way in this room? Would you turn dead hearts to life? Would you open blind eyes? I'm asking that if there is a, someone in here who doesn't know you, Jesus, they've never surrendered their lives, they've never submitted their life to you, that you would call them out today. I'm asking that if there is one in here who has, they're followers of yours, but they've not been leading and standing strong. They've not been in your word. God, I'm asking that you would encourage them, that we are for them. We want to walk with them. I'm thankful that we do not have to do this alone, that we have one another and we have your spirit. And it's in the name of Jesus we ask these things today. Amen.